Welcome to Amici, news and insights from the New York courts. I'm John Carr. For today's Diversity Dialogue segment, we're going to close out Caribbean American Heritage Month with Betty Matondo-John, Secretary to Associate Justice Sylvia Hines Radix of the Appellate Division, Second Department. Betty's roots are in the island nation of Barbados. Betty, welcome to the program. Okay, so here we are at the tail end of Caribbean American Heritage Month, which the House of Representatives adopted 15 years ago to recognize the significance of Caribbean people and their descendants on the history and culture of the United States. By way of reference, there are about 4.4 million Caribbean immigrants in the United States, which accounts for about 10% of the nation's 44.5 million immigrants. So your mother came here as an immigrant from uh, Barbados. um, Why did she want to come to the United States? Um, Well, she wanted to come to the United States because the for higher education because at the time there were very limited choices in Barbados and the United States obviously had more options for her. So where did she go to school and did she have to work her way through school? Well, yes, she had to work her way through school, but she attended Columbia University um, and she did a work study program there. So that's how she was able to work through school. I see. And then how was she able to remain in the United States? Well, she came over to the United States on a work visa, a student visa, I'm sorry, a student visa back in 1957. And because of the work-study program that she was doing through Cornell, she was actually able to work at New York Hospital, um, Cornell University. And that organization was able to sponsor her to get her green card. And because she stayed and she was doing the um, the work-study program and she went to different places, she also went to... Um, Harvard University and Mass General to do some work, and then she was able to get her citizenship through that. It sounds like she worked very, very hard to get it. She did. She really did. And what sort of values or what sort of a a role model or example was she for you? My mom is my hero. She always has been. She always will be. She raised me as a single mom, but she also had a lot of help because it always takes a village to raise a child. And my aunts and uncles, she's actually the youngest of eight children, and about five of them, had, um, including her, emigrated to the United States. But they all played a role in raising me, and they have all made me who I am today. But what my mom specifically instilled in me was the importance of a good education and a very strong work ethic. Always put in 100% if you want to get 100% back out. Uh, where did you go to school? I received my associate's degree in business from Kingsborough Community College and my bachelor's degree in business management and finance from Brooklyn College. And how and when did you come to work for the court system? So I started to work for Justice Sylvia Hines Radix in January of 2005, when right after her election to the Supreme Court. Um, actually, a few... The judge and I actually have a lot of mutual friends. And a couple of them who are very close to her told me, oh, you know, she's looking for a secretary. You would be perfect for that. I was looking to get out of my um, previous job, and it just worked out. I interviewed, and she loved me, and that's it. And we actually both come from – she was born in Barbados, and I'm second generation from Barbados. So that's another connection that she and I have. Do you do anything special to honor your um, 
heritage? For instance, are there any traditions from Barbados or holidays or customs that you carry on? Well, growing up, um, every summer I went to Barbados. My mother sent me to Barbados from the day after school ended to the day before school started. So I was always there for um, Cropover, which is their carnival, which is the end of July and to the beginning of August. And then, um, so I've always celebrated that. Back here in the United States, I honor my Caribbean heritage by the music I listen to, the food that I cook at home. And um, as a family, we've always celebrated like holidays such as Thanksgiving, Christmas, with Easter, actually too, with um, big family dinners. And that's something that we've always done in my family. And we always, of course, acknowledge um, Barbados independence from Britain, which was on which is on November 30th every year. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you work in Brooklyn, which is one of the most diverse counties in probably the country, really. Let me throw out some statistics, some statistics from the 2010 census. About a third of the population is white. About a third of the population is black. About 19% is Hispanic or Latino. About 13% is Asian. And about 37% of the population is foreign-born. In the second department appellate division, it seems it's almost like an inter- international court in terms of the broad diversity of people who come before it. How does that diversity manifest itself on the job? In some ways, diversity in the workplace can be a blessing, right? But in other ways, not so much. You're talking about a place where you have people of all races, ethnicities, and cultures who work together on a daily basis. And we have judges and law clerks who hear cases and write decisions based on the law. You also have the back office staff um, and officers who deal with the public. But they all come to work with their personal beliefs, right? And in some cases, their prejudices. And that can be a good thing, but it's not always a good thing because I feel like given the times that we're living in right now, people feel like they, like it's okay to act in ways that are not, that are not always appropriate, right? So we have all of these people here and although most people don't let their beliefs color their decisions and their actions, you always have that small percentage of people who do. And that's what we end up seeing more of, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're you're dealing with people who see the world in a hundred different ways. <laughs> exactly, and sometimes it's not always for the best. But I think that the people that I directly work with, the judges that I've worked with, my judge sits on the appellate division. I think that their diversity helps to bring decisions that are well-rounded and thought out. Like, for example, on the appellate division, it's a group of four people, four judges who hear these cases. And then they go into um, what they call consultations to decide how they want these cases to be decided. And I'm sure, I've never been able to sit in consultation because that's obviously private and closed doors, but I'm sure that there are arguments to get there so that everyone gets their points across. But that's where the diversity comes in, because my judge, as an, um, a Caribbean American, may not view a case the same way as 
her white counterpart who is Italian. You understand? Yes, so I think that that diversity is helpful, but it's not helpful when people use it, use their beliefs and their prejudices for evil. I suppose diversity can be used to bring people together as a beautiful mosaic. It can also be used to tear people apart. Yes, exactly. Do you think your own experience and your own diversity um, helps helps you to understand issues like that perhaps better than someone else? I think so. I'm not, I wouldn't say better than someone else, but I think that because I grew up in a Caribbean family, a strong Caribbean family, I have the ability to understand people from other cultures. I'm, I have always been very open-minded when it comes to other people and their beliefs. I may not agree with you, but I'm not going to lash out at you because I don't agree with you. So that, so I think, yes, I think that my, my experiences have given me that ability to understand people and to understand that everyone is different and, you know, and that our differences are what make each of us unique and special. And if everyone just understood that, (laughs) that you wouldn't have some of the things that are happening today happen. Mm-hmm. Because everyone is different, and there's nothing wrong with being different. I guess no group is immune, no member of any group is immune to a my way or the highway mindset, or my culture or the or no culture my, mindset. Right. They should be, but a lot of people aren't. And they feel that it's their way or the highway. And it's not. that's not how the United States was built. It's just not. Mm-hmm. It's not how the world was built. So I think what you're saying is tolerance is a two-way street. It definitely is. Tolerance and understanding. Betty, that's a great piece of wisdom, and, and I appreciate your time. And uh, enjoy this last uh, these last hours of uh, Caribbean American Heritage Month. Thank you so much, and you do the same. I certainly will. Thanks for listening to Amici. You find all of our recent podcasts on the Court Systems website at www.nycourts.gov. And you also find a transcript of each interview. If you have a suggestion for an EMG podcast, let me know. I'm John Carr, and I can be reached at 518-453-8669 or jcaher at nycourts.gov. In the meantime, stay tuned.